0: Welcome to League One Fund's Inaugural Season Preview. Brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Make sure you get some custom scarves for your group or team at http, little double space colon backslash, roughneckscarves.com. So um, today, for you guys, in case you did not know, Um, We are going to be doing a bonus episode to teach you guys a quick through guide on what the inaugural season of USL League One is going to be. This is going to be a quick rundown of the teams, the format, and what you can expect this season as far as play and some players that you might want to take notice of. And uh, this is for anyone who had any kind of curiosity in the league, any kind of desire to root for a team but not sure who to root for. This is your spot. So, Mark, let's start off. Why don't you give us a breakdown of just the league basics?
1: Yeah, so basics are we, we have 10 teams for the first season, which is uh, a Division Three standard that the league had to reach in order to uh, be verified by U.S. soccer. But those 10 teams are uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves SC, Forward Madison FC, Greenville Triumph SC, Lansing Ignite FC, North Texas SC, Uh, We have Orlando City B, the Richmond Kickers, South Georgia Tormenta FC, Toronto FC2, and FC Tucson. Now, four of those teams are direct affiliates of either a Major League Soccer or USL Championship team. Uh, Since we have 10 teams, they came three different ways. We have five brand-new expansion teams. Three of the teams uh, dropped down from USL Championship, including... uh, Richmond Kickers, TFC 2, and Orlando City B. And we have two teams that made the jump up from USL PDL, or what is now known as League 2, and that's FC Tucson and Tormenta FC. Uh, Going into the schedule, each team will play 28 games. They'll play eight of the teams three times, and one of those, and that last ninth team four times. The season, as Jason said, kicks off this week, this Friday, the 29th, and will run through October 5th. Uh, once that happens, the top four teams make the playoffs. Now happen the weekend of October 11th with the final uh, happening between – on somewhere between October 27th and the 21st, depending on where the venue is and uh, hopefully TV schedule. Speaking of TV schedule, i uh, All the games can be viewed on ESPN Plus uh, in the United States, or if you're international, uh, YouTube was announced today as being the carrier for uh, both Canada and the rest of the world. And then on top of the USL1 schedule that these teams will be playing, six of the teams, the ones that aren't affiliated with another team above them will be participating in the US Open Cup. And that draw, they'll find out their opponents uh, in two weeks on April 10th And those games will, those first games will occur on May 7th and 8th.
0: Yeah, So a lot of moving parts going on first year. Uh, You're going to be seeing a lot of rotation too. And so Ira, can you break us down a little bit on how the roster spots work?
2: Yeah, sure. So very quickly, there's 30 roster spots. You know, very similar to um, to the championship and, and Major League Soccer. Uh, plus, they um, each team can have up to five economy, uh, academy academy con- uh, contracts. So these are players that are above and beyond that 30. And those players that are on academy uh, contracts uh, keep their college eligibility. So that's very important, and you might see them. Uh, so they're kind of like semi pro players because they, they don't get paid a lot for for playing. Each team can have only 7 international sp- roster spots. Uh, players with green cards do not count for international roster spots. So it's only people who need visas, basically, that uh, that count for that. So even if they might play for a national team, say in the Caribbean, they still would not necessarily be considered international if they had uh, permanent resident status. And then finally, importantly, the uh, the roster freeze date is September 6th, so about a month before the end of the season. So it's a every team has about five matches between that roster freeze date and the end of the year. So everyone's going to want to make sure. That they have their roster set for the playoffs at that time. Uh, So, with that, very simple uh, roster update there, Jason. Yeah, thank you. And that's going to be important, uh, especially the free state for teams that have affiliates,
0: especially because if they are going to be making a playoff push, they might have the advantage of bringing somebody down that can help them with that who might not be getting playing time with the first team. Uh, But, you know, without further ado, let's get into some teams. So I wrote, why don't you start us off with a familiar team that played in probably the the most historic team in this league,
2: I should say, uh, recently in USL Championship. Let's talk about Richmond Kickers. Yeah, so the Richmond Kickers are one of the two oldest currently operating professional soccer teams in the country. They were founded in 1993. Them and along with the Charleston Battery uh, are the two oldest. They are a very storied club. They won the U.S. Open Cup in 1995 since 2005, so just the last 13 years. They've topped the USL regular season three times. They won the Cup three times, and they made the finals on two additional occasions. So, you know, they, they had a rough patch the last couple of years, which is perhaps one of the things that w- – that, uh, uh was a little bit surprising, but basically they the ownership group at the time couldn't really uh, have them compete in a second division league, which is the reason why they decided to drop down into uh, USL League One, the third division of U.S. soccer. They do have a new ownership group, and they have a new coach. Um, we'll talk about the coach in a second. But the kickers have played in City Stadium for uh, for 20 years. They have a very strong supporters group called the Red City Red Army, uh, excuse me, River City Red Army. Um, and the stadium atmosphere is great. You know, there's drums. There are flags everywhere. Uh, it's a really good soccer culture down in Richmond uh, when you go to uh, experience City Stadium. Uh, the, Richmond's roster includes both trialists and uh, recent college graduates, plus a number of people uh, with USL championship experience. It's a couple of, uh, a handful that have uh, were on the roster last year plus others who have come from other teams, such as Tampa Bay, uh, even a couple of people who have a little bit of MLS experience. So a good mix there of both up and coming players as well as as known talents. Uh, The coach is David Uh, Burlow. Bulo, excuse me, I always put an R in his name. I don't know why. Uh, He was a former Kickers midfielder uh, and he was a coach for the Kickers Youth Academy uh, for uh, for the last few years and uh, was named the, the head coach. Jason actually interviewed him in an earlier episode of League One Fun suggested you go back if you're interested in the kickers and listen to that interview to get get some insight into things like playing style which i think and uh, it seems that they really want to keep the ball that's one of the things that uh, that richmond seems to want to do they want to be a possession-based team not that they won't press a little bit and, and maybe occasionally play a long ball but in general they will want to have the ball um We're also going to do a couple of players to watch. So two players to watch, I think, uh, is the just-signed Charles Boateng. And the reason why I chose him, he's a midfielder from Ghana. Uh, The reason I said him is that Coach said... He's one to watch, and if the coach says he's one to watch, presumably he'll be playing, if not starting, then certainly a an impact sub. And he also said he's someone who's going you're going to want to you're definitely going to remember. So uh, um, he apparently had interest from both Major League Soccer teams and USL Championship sides. So he's certainly one. That, uh, that I think you really should, um, should pay attention to. The other one is uh, Akira Fitzgerald. He's a, a Japanese uh, goalkeeper. He's played in, in the USL Championship for a number of years, was also on the roster of NYCFC in their Inaugural season in 2015, um, I suspect that he'll be a leader on the field. Um, he does like to play out of the back. He plays with his feet a lot, so um, it's either going to be a disaster or or um, you know really fun to watch uh, a Kyra try and hit his teammates from uh, uh, from distance. And with that, that's my brief preview of Richmond. But since you know we started
0: with the oldest team in the league, let's start with one of the newest. So Chris, uh, would you like to take us through Greenville Triumph?
3: Of course I would. I've got my hat on, my Triumph, hat, and all my scarves back here. Um <clears throat> The Triumph are a a new team, starting brand new. They didn't come from another league, uh, and they were the first brand new team announced for USL League One, third team overall. They... Really, I think USL decided to bring a team to Greenville mostly because of fan support and fan push. There was, uh, when the league was announced, there was a big push USL to GVL that got rolling, and that has formed the basis of the supporters group here in Greenville. And Greenville was one of the first teams, I think, to make a kind of a big splash move in hiring John Hark's as their head coach. That was a a big name, I think a name that shocked a lot of folks, especially for this League One uh, level. So that was kind of a big move for Greenville to get some eyeballs on this brand new team. I always like to say Greenville is Madison without all the publicity. They're doing everything right, just like forward Madison is, but maybe don't get quite all the publicity that Madison has gotten. Uh, in terms of style, I think Greenville is going to, if you look at John Harks' style the way he has coached in the past – I think it's safe to assume that it may be some version of a 4-3-3, whether that's a 4-2-3-1 uh, or something of the like. Although I will say for the first open scrimmage that they had uh, a couple weeks back, they actually came out in a three-five-two, which was pretty surprising to me um, with your, your wingbacks out there being very high-pressing defenders. Um, so I don't really know what I do know is I think this team is going to be gritty. They're going to be very possession based, but they're going to look to um, just keep the ball and have a lot of possession uh, and hopefully press forward. But I don't think this is going to be a high attacking, you know, trying to score a million goals type team. Um, that just doesn't seem to be the style that Coach Harkes like to, likes to run. And and I think that's OK. Uh, a couple of names to watch. Uh, and I have some uh some there's, there's a lot of guys who have a lot of USL experience on this team. A lot of guys have connections to coach Hark's from Cincinnati, but I've got two guys that don't have either of those things. The first one's a guy named Jake Keegan, a forward who played a lot in Ireland, caught coach Harkes eye and said, man, what is this guy doing overseas? We need to bring him back here and get him on his home turf to play. He is a, a poacher of all poachers. I, I watched some of his highlights from his time in Ireland and man, he just—he always seems to find the back of the net. Another guy that I was immediately aware of when I saw his name because he played in the NPSL last year in Asheville City, a guy named Cameron Saul, who played as a midfielder in Asheville, has played as a midfielder a lot, and was actually announced as a midfielder, but has come out as a forward for the preseason for the Triumph. Cameron is a guy that is going to be... He's, he's going to be the poster child, I think, for the Triumph. He's always out in the community. He's got that big grin, that perfect picture, picturesque smile, um, and seems to have a, a pretty good uh, nose for the goal. Um, but I think the, the most impressive thing about Cameron is that he actually came through the open tryout process. He wasn't someone that was scouted by Coach Harks. He wasn't someone that they necessarily had on their radar right away, but he showed up at the open tryout and, they immediately noticed him and decided to sign him. So I think he's going to be one to watch for sure
0: just from that respect alone. And if you look up clips of Cameron, you will see nothing but dingers. This guy has not hesitant to shoot the ball from 30 yards out and they are hitting the back of the net with power. So that is definitely someone I feel is going to be making the sports center top 10 this year. Uh, let's head West Coast, though. We've been giving the the South some love. Uh, Mark, in Tucson, the team that's going to have to travel the most this year, what do you got for me?
1: Oh, yeah. So with FC Tucson, uh, they're coming up this year. They were a USL PDL side last year. And since being founded in 2010, they're the second oldest team in the league, which is crazy to think about when, when you think about soccer here in Arizona. Uh But they're established. And uh, just in 2007, they were purchased by uh, Phoenix Rising FC. So they are the now direct affiliate uh, to that championship side. So uh, you're going to see a lot of the same style. They've been preaching at all preseason. Uh, They want SC Tucson to look a lot like Phoenix Rising. And with Phoenix Rising, it's been a transition into a more possession-based system. They want to play out of the back. They want to get their fullbacks forward and they want to get their wingers up the field. And so I, I imagine you're going to see a lot of that in Tucson, probably in like a four, three, three, four, two, three, one formation. It's going to probably vary each week. Uh, but for that, so it'll be interesting to see how those two teams uh, compare to each other. Uh, they hired Dan, Darren Swatsky as their head coach. Uh, Swatsky has a lot of experience in youth development uh, up in Seattle he has some experience on already, and so it, it's good to see uh, that kind of viewpoint already taking shape. Uh, imagine we're going to see a decent amount of rising players play down in FC Tucson, uh, but for just the players signed by Tucson, the two I'm looking forward to the most to see this year, uh, we've talked about him a lot, is Andrew wheeler Amenu. Uh, in that midfield position. It's going to be with a team that's so focused on attack, it's going to be important to have that guy uh, that can break up, uh, plays in midfield when the rest of the team's uh, too far up the field. Uh, The second guy I'm looking forward to is Moshe Perez. Uh, He's uh, a pretty young kid out of Denver University. He actually has experience with SC Tucson from when they were a PDL side. And so there's a lot of familiarity there right now, but he's kind of uh, a, 10 eight, eight, a creative uh midfielder that i imagine is gonna be pretty high up on um, at least the assist board for SC tucson
0: yeah that's uh it's exciting times out there in the desert to uh to get that pro team out there and get the kids playing um i'm gonna stay out over on that side to a team that's also gonna have to travel a lot And since we brought it up let, let's go full mingo and let's talk about ford madison so um for those who are listening, if you haven't really heard of the other teams, this is probably the one you might have heard of uh, out of the USL League One teams if you haven't been looking too far into the league. So obviously with Ford Madison, the thing that stands out is their branding, uh, the, the launch of the branding. It's been impeccable. They've had write-ups in the soccer Bible, the athletic, they've gotten the attention of all the big media. Um, and... Like Chris was saying earlier, they seem to do everything right. They signed a homegrown, our hometown hero, had the signing at his high school. They have a dedicated fan base, which over twenty people are coming to the opener all the way in Chattanooga. It and they and they have an owner in Peter Wilt, who's known to start successful soccer teams. Uh, was with the Chicago Fire as a GM for seven seasons when they won all their hardware and their civilware uh, brought in an assistant back with the Chicago fire head coach now, Daryl shore. So you look at this team and they are obviously the ones who are getting the most attention. Uh, but how is that going to translate into their playing? So a little bit more on them, They're an affiliate of Minnesota United. So that's something to keep track of because in the past, Minnesota United have had players in MLS who have not gotten playing time or have gotten as little as 200 minutes of playing time in a whole season. So this is something that's going to be beneficial probably for both teams. Um, They are going to be – Bringing in players from the USL Championship. They even have a couple of national team players from other countries. So right now you have a mixed batch. uh, But what we didn't hear within all of the branding was too much of their playing style and how they've been playing this preseason. So it does leave a lot of questions. Um, So one of the questions and one of the players that I feel is going to be important for them is Connor Tobin who has been one of the most consistent center backs in USL Championship for years. He's a great player on and off the field, very in touch with the community. Um, He is someone that's not also afraid to move up for set pieces, has a, a good net for goal and getting headers. So with him, it's going to be important because right now, when you look at their depth, they are only four or five defenders in. Um, and so with the new team, with new defenders, he's going to be very important for, to lead that back line, um, and to be vocal with the team and tell them what they need to do. Uh, another player that you might want to look for right now is questionable and it's who's going to be up top. So they have a multiple selection of forwards, but no one that really stands out as the one who is going to start for them as their head striker. So they might do a three striker system. Um, have three forwards up there. We're not sure. But a player that we have noticed lately and um, might be joining them is Mason Toye from Minnesota United, who played in their last preseason game. And he's the perfect player for the system that they look to be utilizing this preseason. Uh, They are a team that likes to switch the ball a lot. Um, he is someone that is able to get to the end of the crosses. He is someone that can hold up uh, for wingers to come up and pass to them so that they can switch the ball over. So if he is someone that is going to sign, he's going to be a huge different make, difference maker for them and make them one of the most competitive teams in the league. If not, Uh, A player you should watch for is Zaire Bartley. He was the one who scored their first goal as a team um, in their preseason. Uh, He is brought in by Don Smart, who's been the playmaker for this preseason. And this is someone who can play wing or forward. So he's someone that they're going to look for to give them the spark that they need to score goals. Um, So moving on, uh, Ira. If you want to talk about a team that, you know, speaking of affiliates, that's affiliate but in a different way. Let's talk about our brethren up north in Toronto.
2: So TFC2, uh, so as par- far as background goes, they first played in the USL Championship in 2015. They've never had a winning record. Uh, in fact, they've never had less than 16 losses in a season. So they, uh, you know, they actually, they, they're, they've never um, – Anyway, the, this hasn't been great. Um, interestingly, their average attendance actually has been about a thousand per match, which isn't terrible for some of the two teams, but it's also you know obviously not particularly good. Um, like uh, like a lot of MLS two teams, usually it's it's Toronto hardcore fans who want to come see the the homegrown. So this is kind of the top of the uh, t- TFC academy. So um, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's it's the place to go if you want to want to see those guys. You hope will break the uh, uh, break the first team. Presumably, they're trying to reboot by going down from the USL Championship down to League One. Um, a lot of their team are MLS homegrown signings. They have twelve uh, homegrown signings who are currently on their roster. Um, although two of those guys are out on loan right now, but at some point. They'll come back in, into this roster. My guess is they're going to play uh, the, the type of possession style that TFC plays, so it's very wing-oriented, trying to get the ball to a playmaker. Um, but that's a little bit less clear now if the first team's even going to play like that exactly, because uh, with uh, Sebastian Giovinco leaving, they've obviously had to switch things up a little bit. Um, and, and you know, even though they've had some interesting results later on the first team side, um, it, it looks a little bit of a different team. They, they, you know, they go out in what I would call a four-four-two. Diamond. Um, you know so we'll see if they line up similar to that and uh, and also if there's anyone on this team who can kind of take the Michael Bradley role because it is a relatively young team uh, players to look out for I'd say that there are two uh, Jordan and help me out here Jason but is Jordan Perusa is that I right least, uh, yeah okay yeah so he's an 18 year old homegrown forward um, you know he's he's quick big fast he has a lot of the qualities that Josie Altador does so it's not a huge surprise that is he's on this roster, um, and uh, you know he can poach goals as well. Uh, he, he played uh, four games last season for TFC2 and scored twice. So that's a pretty good ratio. And he also uh, plays for the Canadian U-20s. So it's likely that um, you know he might see some a little bit of time with the U-20s as they as other teams are ramping up to uh, head to the World Cup and maybe some uh, some, some pre-World Cup friendlies. Uh, the other one is Franco Ramos. He's a 21-year-old Argentinian center back uh, who plays for Boca Junior, who used to play for the Boca Juniors Academy. Uh, he, w- he was actually named by the US. SL is one of the five defenders to watch and I can see why he's really good in the air. He's very brave. He's, he's just, he doesn't back off from tackles uh, and uh, he's also not afraid to pass out of the back. So if they're looking to possess the ball a little bit and get the ball to the, uh, you know, to the wingers and, and or, or maybe up to, uh, to the pivot and in, in the middle, uh, whoever that ends up being, then, then he's an interesting guy for that. So I'd look out for him as well. Great. And let's stick with the
0: kids, Mark, uh, for all the U S national team, youngster enthusiasts, the people who are just hoping for a glimmer of spotlight, some, some sunshine, some hope. Can you tell us about North Texas SC? Well,
1: as long as they don't lose in New Mexico. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so North Texas SC is a uh, direct affiliate of FC Dallas. This is a team that honestly should have been around four years ago uh, based on the kind of kids they've been able to develop. In their academy. Uh, they're gonna be led by Eric Quinn this uh year, his first year as a head coach. He used to be the academy director of the Texans SC Academy, uh out in Houston. So that, that's a big hit for them because Texans are a well-known academy. Uh Weston McKenney, I believe, went through that academy. Um, so it's a big deal to get him. But yeah, it's gonna be a very young team, it's gonna be a team that that roster is going to look different every single week because you, you don't know which academy kids are going to call up to play for the team. You don't know which FC Dallas players are going to uh, drop down to play for the team. So week to week, this team could could look very different. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, most players, make an appearance this season out of uh, any team in the league. Uh, but a couple of players to look forward to, uh, Ricardo Pepe, we've been hyping them all preseason, and he's been answering. He has six goals already in four preseason games, uh, but the 16-year-old will be playing uh, I imagine all across uh, the front line. He In their last preseason game, he played uh, sometime at left wing, striker, and right wing, so you'll see him everywhere uh, depending on the other needs of the team. Another guy I'm looking forward to seeing and watching uh, from North Texas, and he hasn't gotten a lot of North Texas hype, but hopefully he'll be around for a while is Callum Montgomery. He was the uh, number four pick from FC Dallas uh, in this past year's draft uh, out of uh, UNC Charlotte, but he's been called the next Matt hedges for FC Dallas, which is a, I mean, that's a high honor in itself. And uh, so I'll be interested to see how much time he gets uh, with North Texas. He hasn't made the, I think he's made the bench once for Dallas so far this season, but hasn't played yet. And so, Uh, he'll get plenty of time uh, with North Texas.
0: And we've been talking about a lot of new teams, a lot of affiliate teams. So let's talk about a newer team in a city though that might already have a team. Uh, Chris, do you wanna take us over to uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves?
3: Yeah, the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Um, I know you talked about Madison being the team that people may be aware of if they're not super invested in the league, but I actually think the Red Wolves might be in contention for that spot too just for the sheer level of controversy that has surrounded them coming into a city with a rich history in soccer uh, with Chattanooga FC. It was not a popular decision amongst some of the locals for USL League One to bring a team there, but in a way – I think the Red Wolves have actually benefited from all of this. It's one of those, any publicity is good publicity things. Uh, certainly people know that the Red Wolves are around and they seem to have be, they seem to be doing a lot of good things too in the community in terms of uh, some local sponsorships and local partnerships. They really seem to be doing what they can to try to start off on the right foot, regardless of how everything went down about them getting there. Now, in terms of style, I think that this team is going to be a bit of a chameleon. Um, Tim Hankinson, the coach there, is known to just adjust on the fly, not have any particular formation he likes. He just kind of says, hey, let's figure out what players we're going to start that day and then just throw them on the board however they fit. And then as the game progresses, adjust as needed. Um, I do know that they are going to be strive to be a high-scoring team. Um obviously, the the liability there, if you're pressing, 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 trying to score as much as possible, that can be a defensive liability as well. so i could I could see a lot of four or five games in Chattanooga's future just just from that sheer standpoint. But I will say that is that is exciting, and that's 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 fun soccer to watch, and that might help them in terms of drawing some fan base there in Chattanooga couple of players to watch. Uh, the big one, the big name on the list, Eamon Zayed, um, the 35-year-old. That's right, 35-year-old forward uh, who has played with the Indy 11, with the Charlotte Independents, and all over the world in a variety of leagues. He's also played for the uh, Ireland U21 team, and he's played with Libya's international team. Um, he's a big name, and he was a big, a big draw for Chattanooga to, to pull him in. Uh, obviously, age is going to be a factor there potentially, um, but I think this is maybe a good level for him to still be really competitive at and and I think he will be on the scoreboard a lot for the Red Wolves. And another name that I wanted to throw out for the Red Wolves, I'm a big fan of uh, veteran defenders, especially if you're a, a team that's going to try to score a bunch. So I've got Tony Walls, 29-year-old defender. This is, this is a, The Red Wolves may become like the geriatric team of USL League One with some of these ages, but the 29-year-old defender uh, has played with OKC Energy, St. Louis FC, is a part of the Jamaican men's national team. Um, I think he is going to be an anchor back there in the back line. And really, if the Red Wolves are going to be competitive this year, especially with their attack-minded approach, he's going ha- to have to be a big part of the defensive back line
0: and uh talking about the oldest player in the league at least the oldest striker for sure and uh after we talked about ricardo pepe the youngest striker in the league but don't let the age fool you i think they're pretty much the same size ricardo pepe is like 6'1 180 pounds he's a beast of a kid so it's going to be interesting to watch you know teams that have teenagers against veterans who've been all around the world and to note uh chattanooga like you said chris i believe is the oldest team in the league as far as the, their age and they also have the most international players right now on their roster so what i will do is talk about one of the youngest teams in the league that isn't uh, a two team is uh, tormenta fc down here in south georgia and so with tormenta they moved up from uh pdl which is now league two while also keeping a League Two team as well. Uh, they brought their coach with them, John Millercy, and they brought back 11 of their players from past season. Uh, and this is important because their players from last season have great chemistry. They were a team that won a US Open Cup game last year, eventually lost 1-0 to the Charleston Battery who were the best defensive team in USL Championship. So this is a team of proven players who can go on and do great things as they move up into the pros. Um, they've been pretty quiet through preseason, though. And even with an interview that I've had with John Miller-Racy, he was very hesitant to tell me if they were going to keep the same style of play, what kind of formation they were going to come out at. So I think they are trying to catch people off guard. I think what they are trying to do is use that chemistry to come out um, and play some beautiful soccer and win games early while a lot of the new teams are playing catch-up. Um, But for someone who watched them last year, a couple of players to watch for uh, is their midfielder, Marco uh, Micheletto. He is an Italian midfielder who is one of the most unpredictable players in this league. And when I say that, I mean you cannot tell which direction he is going with the ball. His cuts, his dribbling are hypnotic leaves players in the dust. You do not understand where he is going, why he is making the cuts he is, but he makes it make sense and usually ends it with a beautiful precise pass or a shot on goal, uh, both that which he is very good at. Um, Another player and a players, you know, when we talk about, you know, players we should watch, we usually mention veteran defenders or scorers. I'm gonna give give a little shout out to their goalkeeper, Pablo Jara. And Pablo played with the team last year and help them be undefeated in conference last year. And I think this is going to be important because with these new teams, defense is going to be important. If They can have their defense together and he is able to control the defense. They are going to be good to go from the beginning of the season and have a strong start. Uh, He made uh, all conference twice in PDL, played with uh, the youth Colo Colo team in Chile, and is going to be an important figure for them to move forward, and I think he's going to be a goalkeeper that's going to get a lot of looks from scouts in other leagues. Uh, so, Tormenta definitely a team to watch for, not just this season but next season as well, as they are going to be groundbreaking a new stadium um, in a couple of days, and by 2020 they are going to have a soccer-specific stadium, which will have uh, be a part of a complex of uh, entertainment complex of movie theaters bars and just a day to where the family can have a whole interaction uh, a whole day dedicated towards a soccer game and not specifically just go to a soccer game Um, so a lot of exciting things happening in tormenta and uh ira let's uh since we're talking about young kids let's talk about orlando
2: so just uh, a little way up the highway from uh, um, from uh, Statesboro is Orlando, yeah. and Orlando City B is actually not playing uh, in Orlando proper. They're actually playing, going to be playing their matches in a smaller stadium um, at the uh, Mont Verde Academy, which is the academy that uh, Orlando City Soccer Club uses. Uh, it, you know why to support them? Well, they um, you know they didn't play in in well in 2017, um, which was their inaugural year they took 2018 off they actually released all of their almost all of their players and um uh and took last year off and they're returning now in league one uh they uh, their average age is 19.5 years so they're a relatively young team their oldest players are 23 years old so if you want to you know if, if you're a hashtag play the kids person this is the kind of team that that should be uh that, that should be good for you to watch. Um, my guess is that they're going to kind of play a defensive mid-block similar to the first team uh, with some uh, uh, counterattacking and transition flair. Um, look to hit maybe a, um, wide forwards up up top. They don't exactly play a 4-3-3 or a, a 3-4-3. It, it's, uh, it, it's kind of a hybrid that when they're uh, defensive, it's very deep. They defend very deep. Um, at least on the first team, and I suspect that that uh, OCB will as well. A couple of players to watch: so Kobe Osiwusu. Um, I've talked to him about him on this show before. Uh, he's 23-year-old midfielder. He's the oldest player on the team. I think his leadership is going to be very important. He's a uh, he's a midfielder, you know, so he usually plays a number eight or ten. Can attack as well, so um, you know might wind up being one of the leading scorers in this team. And uh, he he should be a good locker room presence because he did play for Richmond Kickers. He's been around the league for a couple of years. So he uh, he he knows how to be a professional. Uh, the other person, I am going to go on the other end and the youngest player on the team. Um, so we know we talk about Pepe, uh, you know Pepe and and things like that. So this is another under the radar person that maybe we should I should have mentioned in our under the radar um, show earlier in the week. But um, his name is Luke, uh, and I am going to butcher his last name, but I think it's Grantor. Um, he's a 15-year-old American. He plays in the U16 uh, boys national team. Uh, he had four goals in 10 games for the U19 development academy last year. So playing up a bunch of years in the development academy, um, scored four goals, did okay at the D- at the at the GA Cup, um, not, not great, but. Um, Uh, but definitely someone you should look out for. And when he, remember when he played on that U19 team, he was only 14 years old because that was last year uh, before his birthday. So um, again, if you're a hashtag play your kids kind of person, then, then OCB might be the kind of team you might want to, you know, have a couple of looks at.
0: Nice. And, uh, not just predicting a playing style, their technical director is actually Wei you for your U.S. national team fans. So the kids might be a little feisty and a little chippy uh, in the upcoming games against older people, which I love.
2: That's a good point, because Luke actually, it's funny you say that, because Luke actually had five yellow cards in 13 total DA games last year for both the U-17 and the U-19 uh, DA teams that he played for.
0: Definitely a player to watch then, for, for good and for bad. <laughs> And then uh, we'll finish it up. Last but not least, uh, I think one of the most exciting teams uh, in this league, uh, we're going to go out to Lansing for Lansing Ignite. Uh, Lansing Ignite uh, is going to be coached by Coach Nate Miller, who's moving up from their PDL team, uh, now League Two. And he is a coach who wants to play a pressing, aggressive style that involves constant movement. So if you are somebody who likes watching Red Bulls or like watching high-pressing teams, this is going to be the team for you. He has recruited players uh, that can fit that system specifically, and he has recruited players that can play multiple positions. Um, So this is a team that is going to have constant rotation, um, and the way they have built this team is they might have the best attacking depth in League One. This is going to be a team that is going to have people with multiple goals. It's not going to be one striker who has 80% of the team's goals. This is going to be someone... Uh, there's going to be a team that's going to have strikers across the board scoring. Uh, They've had a very impressive preseason, whether they are shellacking uh, 7-0 games to Division II colleges or beating USL championship sides. Um, The biggest question for them, though, like we discussed earlier, when you are pressing, is their defense. And it does seem like their defense right now is lacking depth, and there is no real uh, veteran star kind of center back or leader who can focus uh that back line and kind of give directions um so that is something to look for um as a team that might try to go up early and kill the game early or a team that has to play from behind uh, a couple of players to watch for um didn't think i'd be talking about him as much but nick moon who was a closed door trialist for them and has probably been their most impressive player throughout uh preseason has probably played himself into a starting role. He is a diverse player who is, can play left or right back or play on the wing. Uh they're probably going to use him as a wing back and he is someone um who is causing havoc both on the left side, right side. No matter where you put him, he's making runs and he's an excellent crosser. So he has been causing defenses havoc all preseason. Uh, and then another player who is going to be a showstopper, is their Haitian U-20 international, Steve St. Duke. He is probably the fastest player in the league and one of the most skillful on the ball. So he's probably going to draw more fouls than anyone else. He is going to probably be their penalty kick taker, and he is great on the wing, Or what they've been trying to do this preseason is put him in the middle to where he's been more of a facilitator, leaving him passing on the wings or one-on-one with center backs, which he is just going to breeze on by. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see his development. He is small. He is someone that just has a bunch of talent that might not be completely disciplined yet. So he can either be an MVP caliber player this year or he might be a player who ends up – going on and off the bench, because he's not able to really take that talent and use it in a disciplined manner. So that is our preview of all the teams. Hopefully you guys heard one that you liked. And so to close it off, you know, you might be wondering, okay, I've heard the teams, I've heard the format, let's get to the juicy part. So what are the supporters groups like? What are the fans saying about this? So let's talk about the rivalries. And uh, Chris, I know you had uh, a couple comments about this. Do you want to talk about the rivalries? Sure, man. Yeah.
3: So I know the league has talked a lot about Greenville versus Tormenta. That's the first game of the league. It's the closest distance traveled. I know we've got a group from Greenville going down this Friday uh, to open the league, open league play. Um, I know we have talked about before on this podcast about Lansing and Madison, again, proximity Just general great fan bases kind of bantering back and forth. The reality of it is uh, rivalries are going to have to be organic. We can't manufacture them just by talking about them. But I did do a little brainstorming about some maybe outside-the-box fun ways to look at a few rivalries. Um, So I've got three different categories here. First is the 2B Cup. So that would be uh, between North Texas SC Toronto FC2, and Orlando City B. And if FC Tucson wants to jump in on there for for their affiliation with uh, Phoenix Rising, by all means, uh, I think that would be a good good little rivalry, a good little derby there. Uh, Then I have the PDL Cup, former PDL Cup, Tormenta and Tucson uh, getting to battle it out, two teams who have jumped up from what used to be the PDL. And then last but not least, the... NPSL controversy derby between Greenville and Chattanooga, two teams that came in to NPSL markets. And there was a little bit of controversy, less so in Greenville than in Chattanooga. But I don't know. I The reality of it is, like I said, we we can't manufacture these, but those are just some things that I think, if nothing else, they're interesting storylines that may may breed something this season.
0: Yeah, like... Like you said, I think the one thing that the league has focused on is this is going to be community driven. This is going to be about fans showing that they wanted a soccer team and now they've got one. The support uh, from the players both on and off the field. This is going to be a fun league, which is why we have named ourselves League One Fun. So that is our season guide for you uh, guys. If you want to. Uh, Give your shout out to where we can find you guys on social media. Uh, So throughout the year, people can banter you and tell you how wrong you were. Chris, how about you?
3: Yeah, I'll start. Uh, So you can find me personally at Youth Guy Cash. You can find uh, me at YTSS Podcast and GVLsoccer.com where I write a little bit about the triumph and other things soccer in the upstate.
0: All right. Ira?
2: you can reach me at at ira jersey on twitter that's probably the best way i'm also going to be doing some stuff uh, on the league for bgn written for uh usl news dot uh i don't remember which dot but anyway just go to <laughs> bgn.fm and you'll find it great and mark
1: yeah you can find me uh at miracles and then i also help run a, a uh, I, you can uh, that covers soccer in Arizona, and we'll have some SC Tucson coverage, and that's at Firebird's site.
0: And you can leave all nice comments to me, Jason, at Home Sweet Soccer. So thank you guys for joining us. Again, a special thank you to the beautiful Game Network for hosting us, and a special thank you to our sponsor, Refnux Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or your team at roughneckscarves.com. All right, guys. Thank you. And uh, tune in for us to our big kit reveal ranking show and our big prediction show of what's going to happen uh, and who's got the spiciest takes this season. We'll see you guys soon.